The three things that are essential for the Passover are found in Exodus chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, take it and turn to Exodus chapter 12. Because Exodus 12 is the go-to passage for the Passover. Certainly for the Old Testament. The most famous Passover passage in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 12. And look at verse 8. Go down to verse 8. Here's the three things. The three elements in the Passover. Now there are more elements. We don't have time to talk about them tonight. But here's the three that we're going to speak about tonight. Exodus 12 verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire. So there's the lamb. That's the first thing. The lamb. How could you have a, how could you have a, a Passover presentation and not talk about the lamb? But then notice what else is here. Unleavened bread. We'll talk about the unleavened bread tonight as well. And then the third element, Luke. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. The bitter herbs. The bitter herbs. That's what I want to begin with tonight actually, is the bitter herbs. Some people use parsley. When they're having the Passover, others use lettuce, a bitter uh, kind of lettuce. But whatever is used, it's the bitter herbs that remind us of the bitter slavery of the Jews in Egypt. Hope you have your Bible still open at Exodus. Go back to chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1, verse 14 now. Exodus 1 and verse 14. First chapter of Exodus, the 14th verse. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Oh, the bitterness of those 400 years in Egypt. How awful it was. How miserable the Jews were during those centuries. That's what the bitter herbs remind us of. But of course we as Christian believers, we think of something else tonight that the bitter herbs remind us of. The bitter herbs remind us of the bitterness of our unconverted days. The bitterness of a life without Christ. The bitterness of our unsaved days. When we were out of Christ without a saviour. Oh the bitter herbs remind us. Of the slavery of sin. For sin is a hard taskmaster. And I know that people who were out last night on the town. They put on a brave face and they 
always say, boy, didn't we have a good time. And we didn't get in to three or four in the morning. But it's not so good whenever the hangover kicks in. Oh yes, there is a kick from sin, but watch out for the kickback. Watch out for the bitter herbs. The bondage. Sin brings bondage. I wonder, are you in bondage tonight? If you are, you're in a good place. Because in this place tonight, you can hear of one who can set you free from your bondage. And we're going to speak about him in a moment or two. But whenever the Jews have the Passover, they will take their parsley, the lettuce, whatever it is that represents the bitter herbs, and they will dip it in salt water, into the salt water. What's that all about? Tears. Tears. Again, it's going back to the days before the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And the bitter tears of the Jews in Egypt. We think tonight about the bitter tears of the Lord Jesus. We think of the tears of our Savior. Because in order for us to be set free from the bondage of sin, the Lord Jesus had to come into the world. And he had to endure a life of bitterness. A life of tears in order to liberate us, in order to set us free from the bondage of our sins. Oh, we think of the tears of Christ at the grave of Lazarus. If you look into the original word that's used, it means a quiet weeping. Weeping quietly. We all know what, that, what that's like. We all know what that is. But then in Luke chapter 19, we read of the Lord Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. As he looked down upon the city, so religious, but not saved, he wept over the city. Because he knew what was coming. He knew the horrendous judgment that was coming. Titus and the Roman army would come and they would destroy the holy city. And they would butcher and slaughter the people, the population. Thousands of Jews would be slaughtered in AD 70. Sometimes I wonder what's coming to the United Kingdom. Honestly, folks, sometimes I wonder whenever you think about all the wickedness that is not only taking place in our nation at the present time, but is legislated for and is promoted and praised. Oh, we think of the awful scourge of abortion. Someone just sent me a message today to uh, highlight some program on the radio, BBC Radio 4, the other night. A comedy program, a disgusting comedy program that made fun of abortion. And what is it 
Over 200 unborn children murdered every year in our nation. You do have to wonder what's up ahead for the United Kingdom. Has the Lord not been shaking things up the last three years? Has the Lord not been trying to get people's attention the last three years? Oh, way back in, way back three years ago, boy, everybody was taking it serious. People were scared. And I, I heard of lots of people, you know, who were supposedly turning to the Lord. And, you know, were, were, so many people were, 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 were trusting Christ. And this is all you heard. And three years later, there's not much to it. It was all like the morning dew. Just passed away. You wonder, you honestly wonder what the Lord will have to do to to waken people up. To bring people to their spiritual senses so that they will truly turn to the Lord. Our Saviour, he weeps at the grave of Lazarus, quiet weeping but over Jerusalem when it says that he wept over the city of Jerusalem it's uncontrollable sobbing it's wailing it's the kind of crying that you would hear at the traffic lights on the Victoria Road he wept over the city of Jerusalem And then, of course, just a few days later, he entered into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says in Hebrews 5 that he cried with strong crying and tears. It's the salt water that the Jews use every time they have the Passover. Dipping the bitter herbs into the salt water. Oh, the bitterness of the life that our Savior had to endure The tears that he shed in order to procure eternal redemption for each one of us. That's why no one should ever take lightly God's so great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great Salvation. Did you notice that word neglect? I, I didn't say reject. Neglect. Need, to neglect salvation just means you sit on the fence. You be neutral. But really you can't be neutral and you can't sit on the fence. Because by just trying to walk the middle way. You're actually rejecting the Saviour. And if that's you tonight, if up, if up until tonight you have rejected him, I urge you tonight to come to your senses. Come in humility to the foot of the cross tonight. Come to the one who wept tears for you. I wonder tonight, do you know anything about the bitterness of sin? 
I wonder tonight, are you fed up with sin? You fed up with secret sin? Nobody else knows about it now. Only you know about it. And, well, if somebody else does know about it, that's the Lord. But I wonder, I wonder, are you fed up with it tonight? You want to be free from it. You want to be free from your bondage. Thank God Christ can set you free. But I want to tell you tonight, folks, that you'll never seek Christ until you feel the bitterness of your sin. It was Thomas Watson, the Puritan, who said, Until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. I like that. Until, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Death and the curse were in our cup, O Christ was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop, tis empty now for me. That bitter cup, love drank it up, now blessings draft for me. So that's the bitter herbs on the Passover plate or the cedar plate. We need to move on, time's moving on. We're moving on now to the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread. Generally, the Jews will keep the unleavened bread in what's known as an afikomen bag. An afikomen bag. And inside the afikomen bag, they put three pieces of unleavened bread. Hmm, that's interesting. Three pieces. The Jews say it represents Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs. Or the three parts of the Old Testament. Psalms, law and the prophets. Ah, but we believe that it represents the Father. The Son. And the Holy Spirit. Three pieces. At the Passover table, whoever is leading the Passover meal will take the middle piece of the matzo bread, as it's called. The middle piece now. The second piece. Surely you know that that represents the second person of the Trinity. God, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It gets more interesting. The leader at the Passover meal will then, having taken the middle piece, the second piece of bread, he will break it. Into two pieces. Two broken pieces. One of the pieces will be kept for the end of the Passover meal as the dessert. You all like dessert, don't you? You've all got a sweet tooth. Go on, admit it. This is the dessert. Mm, I wonder, would you rather have this or would you rather have pavlova? What do you think, boys and girls? <laughs> It's a no-brainer, isn't it? doesn't look very appetizing, this unleavened bread. But what happens to the other piece, 
the other broken piece. It's taken and wrapped inside a napkin. And it's taken away by the leader and it's hidden. Hidden. Boys and girls, before you came to church tonight, I hid a piece, a broken piece of unleavened bread. And it's somewhere in the church tonight. It's in here somewhere. And if you really are, if you're, you're stuck at the end whenever everybody else is going out and you're looking for this piece of bread and you can't find it, well, come to me and I'll give you a clue. But somewhere in here, the piece of broken bread. And the person, the boy or the girl who finds it tonight will get a prize. Oh, look at this boy. I've got M&S orange chalky speckled eggs. My tummy's big enough, so I don't want to have to eat these tonight when I go home. So the person who finds the broken piece of matzo bread will get the bag of speckled eggs. But don't worry, if you don't find it, there'll be something for you too, because there's a big jar of chews out there. Hope they're still there. Hope none of the grown-ups have ate them already, boys and girls. But anyway, that's something for you to do after the meeting is over. But let's move on and think tonight... About this piece of bread that's hidden. Boys and girls that reminds us tonight. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was taken by two men. Nicodemus and Joseph. And he was buried. They buried him in the tomb. The Lord Jesus was hidden away for three days. And thank God we remember on Easter day that he rose on the third day. He rose from the dead. And that's the wonderful news that we celebrate today. It's the greatest news of all. And we know that the Lord Jesus not not only rose from the dead, but he went back to heaven. And someday he's coming back to this earth again. But I want you to look with me for a moment, a wee bit closer at the bread. This unleavened bread. You maybe won't be able to see it where you are tonight, but if you want to come up and look at it afterward, it's pierced. The bread is pierced. If you turn to John chapter 19, we read about someone who was pierced. John 19. John chapter 19, and we read in verse 34, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. Go down to verse 37. They shall look on him whom they pierced. The unleavened bread that's pierced represents Christ who was pierced for our sins. But then look at this bread. It's striped. Look at the stripes on the unleavened bread. That reminds us, of course, of Isaiah 53. 
By his stripes we are healed. Contrary to what the charismatics will tell you, that does not refer to physical healing. It refers to spiritual healing. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't always heal the body. And it's wrong for us as Christians to demand that he heal the body and to expect him to heal the body. We must submit to his will and say, Lord, if it please thee, heal so and so. Touch them, Lord. Raise them up that they might be able to serve you once again. Sometimes the Lord does. Sometimes he doesn't. But he knows best. But the the healing that's referred to in Isaiah 53 is spiritual healing. Healing for the soul. Our souls are sick with sin. But thank God, as the hymn writer put it, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There's a balm in Gilead for the sin-sick soul. And so there you have the, the bread. It's pierced. It's striped. It's broken. The aphikomen, that's the term the Jews use. For the broken bread, remember we talked about the bag, the afikoman bag. But the afikoman, what does that mean? What, what's the definition? It actually means that which comes after. That's literally what the word afikoman means. That broken piece of bread that's hidden away. The broken bread that the children look for and that the children get a prize for finding. The afikoman It literally means that which comes after. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. He is the bread of life that comes after. Thank God he's coming back someday. And didn't the hymn writer say, that great hymn that we love to sing at the communion table, Wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me. But what about the last verse? Coming for me, coming for me. One day to earth he is coming for me. Then with what joy his dear face I shall see. Oh how I praise him. He's coming for me. There's only one other thing that we need to talk about tonight. We've talked about the bitter herbs we talked about the bread. What about the lamb? The shank bone of the lamb. We think about the lamb that every household had to sacrifice in Egypt at the time of the first Passover. But we as believers tonight, we think about the Passover lamb, our saviour, the lamb of God. And we think of the text on the outside of the church. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Turn with me as we finish tonight back again to Exodus chapter 12. Back again to that great Passover chapter. Exodus 12. Just a few thoughts and then we're done. Just a few thoughts about the Lamb. 
Exodus 12, go down to verse 7. And they shall take off the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So immediately here the emphasis is on the blood. The blood of the lamb. That's the all important aspect of the Passover. The blood. If you take the blood out of, out of the Passover. You don't have a Passover anymore. Go down to verse 13. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Isn't it interesting that the Lord, as he went around the land of Egypt that night, isn't it, isn't it interesting that the Lord didn't go into each house to examine the people in the houses. No the Lord didn't go in and inspect each person living in each of the homes. And uh, inspect them and examine them to see what they were like. The Lord didn't go into the home to see if the people inside were good and religious and, and upright. He didn't go inside at all. As the Lord passed through the land of Egypt that night, he wasn't bothered about who or what kind of people were inside the homes. Here's all that he was interested in was the door frame, the lintel of the door, was the blood on the doorposts. That's all that he was interested in. You could have had the biggest rogue, the biggest rascal in the house. But as long as the blood was on the doorposts, he or she was safe from the wrath of God. Maybe tonight you feel like the chief of sinners. Maybe the devil keeps haunting you about the sins of your past. Well, I want to tell you if you're saved tonight and you're under the blood you need not fear the wrath of God because the Lord is not interested in you or your past. All he is interested in is that the blood of his dear son is upon you. And if that precious blood is upon you tonight, then you're safe. You know, it's amazing. It tells us here in verse 13. And with this, I'm finished tonight. You've listened well, especially the boys and girls. But here's one final thought as we finish tonight. In verse 13 it says that the Lord will pass over. When I see the blood I will pass over you. Do you know that phrase pass over? It literally means, wait for it, to stand guard. It doesn't mean that the Lord was going to fly over the houses no, it means the Lord was going to stand guard at each door of each house. And if the blood was there, he was going to stand guard. He was going to be the doorman who would protect the people in that home. The Lord himself, who by the way, you're wondering, well, how could he be at 
the doors of all the houses in Egypt at the same time that night. Well, remember, the Lord is omnipresent. He can, he can be everywhere at the same time. And when he saw the blood, he stood guard at the door. No harm would come to the people who were in that home. Oh, I wonder, are you under the blood tonight? Are you sheltering behind the precious blood of the Lamb tonight? If you are, rejoice as you leave the sanctuary tonight. But if you're not, tonight's the night for you to get under the blood. The words of our closing hymn are appropriate. When God of old the way of life would teach to all his own, he placed them safe beyond the reach of death by blood alone. It is his word, God's precious word, that stands forever true. When I, the Lord, shall see the blood, I will pass over you. Let's have that hymn as we finish tonight. First and last verses of 295, 295. 295, we'll stand together as we sing. And then after we sing the first and last verses, maybe Brother John has, if you would close in prayer tonight, please. Thank you, John. Let's stand. <clears throat>